What's up, y'all? This is Alex. This is Keys. And you're now vibing with us on Me Too Radio Zone. Welcome to Me Too Radio Zone. We're back. This is episode five. Episode five. It's not my time. So before we get into the topic, just want to go ahead and run through uh, our mission real quick because we have been going for a little while. So just want to, you know, remind you guys what we're all about. So Me Too Radio Zone is a space promoting awareness, acceptance, and self-love. And as your mental health crusaders, Alex and I are committed to creating understanding, transparency, and truth to each show to bring us all closer to healthy breakthroughs and to receive the knowledge and support we rightfully deserve without the stigma attached. Yes, yes. Now, for the disclaimer, because we just want to make this clear. We are not clinicians. We are not therapists. We're not psychiatrists. Or psychologists. We are simply people <laughs> with real life experiences with mental <laughs> health illnesses. So we are advocates and mental health aides certified, both of us, through the Department of Mental Health and Hygiene. So, you know, we know we know a little bit, a little something, something. No, we know um, a lot. Yeah, we know a lot. No, we're not <laughs> playing us just now. And we are um, still learning and we will continue to learn to give you guys the best shows that we can. Yes. So it is September. Welcome to September. September. Doesn't it feel like this month, like this year went by really fast? It flew by. Yeah, I feel like summer decided to become fall very yeah. soon. We so. had like we had like two minutes of summer. Yeah. Like seriously. But either way, it was it was a blessing. Um I know that Keys and I we discover so many different things about ourselves. And um as we shared in episode three, we went through a roller coaster um and um we, we a relapse around our mental health. Yeah. So um, so we're glad to be back. We're stable. We're ready to kick ass and take names. Right. And I feel like September is always, well, especially fall, it always feels like the like a new beginning, mm-hmm. you know, especially with, like, back to school and everything, that whole feeling of, like, you know, newness again. So, yeah. So welcome to September. So September is Suicide Awareness Month. So that is going to be our topic of discussion today. And um, if you listen to episodes three and four, no, was it two and three, three and four? Three and four. Three and four, yes, yes, yes. Episodes three and four, Alex and I did share um, our personal experiences. Like Alex said, we did have a relapse. Um, and that happens, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with mental health. So we ain't got no shame. But, um, yes, we did share our experiences around suicide. And um, our guest, Jen and MJ, thank you again for coming through. So be sure to check those episodes out on SoundCloud if you haven't already. But before we get into today's topic, we do have a special guest. Woo! I'm so hyped! Yes. Miss <laughs> Paul. 
Paula So Hyphen Lawton. She a married woman, y'all. Is here. <laughs> so Paula, hola. Now she won't put on that low. Hello, hello. We watch. She about to get real. She about to get real in a second. Real deep. But um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so just a little bit about Paula. Um, she is a self-published author like myself of um, A Queen Deferred Volumes One and Two. Um, and they are beautiful works of poetry. I actually had to reread it like this week because I was yes. like, let me you know refresh. And I was like, yes, this is why. This is why. So um, yes, self-published author and it does touch on topics like self-esteem some trauma um and just womanhood yes and paula is all about women yes so um yes she's here to share with us her personal experience with um mental health and suicide as well and we'll get to that in just a bit but we got some facts and stats we want to get into all right so guys according to national alliance on mental health more than 41 percent of people die by suicide in the u.s each year Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death among adults and second leading cause among people age 10 to 24. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Age 10? Yeah, and these are based from statistics from 2014 um, and was updated in the National Alliance on Mental Health website as of April 2016. Um, So I have a couple more facts. So according to CNN, based on research by CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, middle-aged women between the ages of 45 and 64 had the highest suicide rate. So 45 through 64. Mm. That's scary. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> um, but see, it seems like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, like women, we all know, you know, women, we are emotional mm-hmm. beings. We, you know, we feel deeper. We feel mm-hmm. more. So it kind of, I don't want to say it makes sense, but statistically wise, it kind of makes sense why, you know, mm-hmm. women have a, a higher rate yeah. um, of, what's the word? Not completing suicide. What's the term they're using now? It's like a certain term, like you completed suicide or something like that. But committing suicide, rather. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so this age group also had the largest increase in suicide rate, 63% from 6 to 9.8 per 1,000. Okay, so that's f- between, again, the ages of 45 to 64 age group, and they also had the largest increase in suicide rate among men, <clears throat> which is 43%. Um, so that's, that's, that's basically the statistics around women, middle-aged women. And then according to the American Association of Suicology, in 2015, 2,504 African Americans die by suicide in the U.S., of these, 2,023 were male. Listen to those numbers. Wow. The overall <laughs> suicide rate um, by 10,000. Wow. 100,000. I'm sorry, 100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2015, there were 481 African-American female suicides in the U.S., okay? The suicide rate of African-American female was the lowest amongst men and women of all ethnicities. Wow, I'm like taken back. Yeah, as I'm, I'm listening to as like, I'm even saying though, this, even though like I read it, but it's like hearing it again. Yeah, and saying like, it out loud is really scary. Yeah, um, yeah, in two, yeah, in 2015, researchers released data showing that there were more suicide among African American children ages five to eleven, guys, five to eleven. These are babies. Okay, than among Caucasian children. This was the first national study to observe higher suicide rates for African American than for Caucasian in any age group. I'm 
I'm ready to cry because ages five through eleven. Yeah. You know. Like, um. Yeah. I it's mean, expected for older groups. I mean, because we got a lot more that we're enduring, but five to eleven. Yeah. You know, like there, there, there definitely there's a unseen route to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like to start from birth. Yeah, and I'm and I'm trying to figure out like what's the disconnect. Like, yeah. what's going on in their little minds and their little spirits and their little hearts? Mm-hmm. What, what, what are they experiencing? What are they not saying? What are they saying? Or, or what are they saying? What are they showing? How are they appearing? Yeah. That they're having these thoughts and actually attempting. And actually committing, not even just attempting. And, like, they're and, actually yeah, and then committing. going through. Mm-hmm. Like, what do, you, how do you, what do you know about suicide? Like, what, how do you even, how does that thought even cross your mind as a five-year-old? You know what I'm saying? Like, at, at five, all you're concerned about is... Eating and playing. I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah. So, Paula, as an as a African-American woman, like, what is your take on this? Like, how do you feel about the statistics that we just expressed? And how do you, yeah, like, how do you feel about that? And how, how is it affecting our communities? Well, you know, my personal perspective around um, an instability or, or this whole push around awareness is really around what's happening in our society at large. I feel like um, we're not responsible as a world community um, with understanding that the lives that we've created as a systemic norm do not support um, human beings' quality of life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. People, we are people, right? And we weren't, we have contort. I believe that we've contortioned ourselves to fit into a society that was created, it's like, a, um, it's like an alternate reality that we've created governments and different things and work and the way that the way that we work. You know, most of us work eight, nine, ten, twelve hours a day for very little money, uh, working poor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Our children are um, not getting access to their parent to healthy parents. Mm-hmm. Children are not getting access to healthy parents because parents are under duress trying to make stats at work. Mm. Mm, um, there's also again. some more some more statistics mm. around 65% of homes in the African American community are manned by women Right. women are in the African American community the largest college graduates of today which means they're getting they're reaching the, the economic ladder of the six figures um, and increasing the intellectual basis but guess what's happening the residuals of that is that children are being left neglected right Children do not get access to being spiritually nourished the way they need to and fortified in a way that would have them be um, strong adults. Um, and, and, and this is an unfortunate runoff and a symptom of the society that I believe that we've created as a community of people. And I believe that we've all agreed to allow this by participating in it. You know, And it's not just a mental health thing that's happening that's completely aside from something else. The mental health issues are happening as a symptom of something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They yeah. are a symptom of a course of several things that are happening. Family mm-hmm. life, internal um, unrest, uh, self-concept, uh, a, a, a lack of reassurance from the parents and from community and from society, um, rejection on so many levels. Rejection as a woman, rejection as black, rejection as 
as being, you know, a black man or a minority male or rejection mm -hmm. or, or, or even, you know, because this is also a thing for middle America or white America, etc. Yeah. You know, white males with this God complex, feeling like they have to be the ones with all the answers. They have to be the ones that take this particular course to create. And these things create a lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's not necessary because these are human beings and this wasn't actually, I, I don't believe that this was not our, um, our goal to come into the world. And have to do and fulfill all of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know? Yeah, and absolutely. and like you mentioned, it's, it's definitely a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, I think starting as a child because that's the root, that's the foundation. It's it's how it's what we what we see is what we do. Yeah, right. So if we see that our parents are out there making the money and we're not spending quality time with our parents, or um, we are seeing that our parents are nourishing us in a um, materialistic way versus yeah. an emotional and spiritual way. Mm -hmm. That's the only um, way we know. That yeah. that can actually cause us to have an um, like this as we're growing. It causes us to be disconnected in a way where um, maybe we, we're not able to express ourselves emotionally mm -hmm. because we're not used to even having that space mm -hmm. to freely express ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, like you, you said so much, um, and not only did you touch base on our community, you touch base on other communities, um, you know, in, in white America. Yeah, so, really. like, what, <clears throat> how do you, how did you come to realization with all this? Like, how do you know so much about um, what you express? I've done a lot of research mm -hmm. over the course of my life, mm -hmm. personally, because I've had my own bouts with mental health issues. Um, I received the diagnosis at 15. Mm. Um, I, no, I received, I accepted a diagnosis at 15. Let me mm. I, I, ooh, and I have to stop you there. I love, can you just repeat the that? Language. Can yeah. you just repeat that one more time? And also, if, if you're open to sharing, can you share what was that diagnosis? Uh, severe depression and post-traumatic mm -hmm. um, stress disorder. Mm -hmm. okay. um, manic and how I experienced this. How did this happen? And, and that there were, it wasn't just myself. I was in group homes. I had lived in over 18 places before I was 18 years old. Mm. And I lived with more than 5,000 people. Wow. Either temporarily for a 28-day short stay um, or permanently at the boarding school that I lived at where there was almost 400 students that lived, 400 kids that lived there. Yeah. Um, and some of them were there due to their parents dropping them off there or the state mandated that they were there or they were supposed to go to Spotford and they got sent there mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as an alternative. That happens a lot. So, mm -hmm. and, and it, you know, the majority of the kids... I would say at least 95% of them had some sort of diagnosis. And I would say at least 50% of them were medicated. Because mm. we had a nurse that would come around every day, twice a day, with pill call. Um, and there was a number of different psychiatric medications that were being submitted at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so this is what began my research. Understanding the newspaper, understanding society, and also digging into my own spiritual concept, which was something that just being with myself spiritually wasn't something that I felt was supported in society. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of lonely conversations internally within myself. Yeah. And that's what gave me a large landscape of how it, it, it made me direct the research that I was doing. Mm -hmm. I could hear myself speak. I could ask myself questions. I learned very young the Socratic dialogue, you know, just continually asking yourself questions, 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 and answering them, questions, answering them, yeah. questions, answering them. And oftentimes, that would create more questions. Yeah. So this is how I directed my research. Um, so how did, sorry, yeah. I mean, cut no, you sure. off, but how, how did, because you said you, 
you moved around a lot. You said about five thousand different places. People. People. From eighteen the, places before, before you 18, were even eighteen. From nine to eight over the course of nine years. Right. I live five thousand people. It's easy to live with five thousand people when you move from home after home after home after yeah. home, yeah. temporary home every twenty eight days. And and once you're over twelve, people don't like big kids in the system. That's that's a fact. So yeah. you go to different group homes. Some of the group homes I have been to twice, um, over the five boroughs. Yeah. Um, temporary foster homes. You know, temporary placement homes like. So how does that how does that take a toll, right? Because that ha- that has to have had some effect, like absolutely right. had an effect on your your mental your mental health absolutely. and you know you accepting the diagnosis and then going through what you were going absolutely. through. So into adulthood, how did how did that affect you? How does that affect you? Um, it has a lot of runoff. Um, you have a a tough ex- well not you but. At the time, I felt like because I was in my head, I developed a way of being that um, was very isolated. I was very isolated. Um, I I had learned to be very overtly kind-hearted. And my kindness at that time was based on being nice to people. If I was nice to people, they'd be nice to me. Mm -hmm. And that never happened. (laughs) And I began to make myself, inside of people-pleasing, a doormat. Yeah. Um, and it's the seeking of validation and the worthiness. But then I also had internal conversations that I was expanding myself, and there was no one to have these conversations with. Yeah. So, you know, fast forwarding that over years, people pleasing turns into girlfriends and boyfriends, mm-hmm. having boyfriends that mistreat you, mm-hmm. having girlfriends that use you. Mm-hmm. Um, having family members that, you know, will take what they can from you, because I lived with my grandmother's on my father's side, Mm -hmm. and she only let me live there because she was getting a check for me, Mm -hmm. and she took the whole check, um, and I didn't see any of it, Um, and she would spend the money on her grown adult children that weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing in their lives, but um, I learned over the course of my life, I didn't hold these things maliciously, I just consistently developed, consistently developed, I would try new things. I would not stick with anything for a long period of time. If it wasn't working, I would switch gears real quick. Yeah. If it's not working, I switch it up because I need to find the right fit. Yeah. And I understood myself as looking for the right. But fit. that makes sense though, with with the instability that you've had in your life, you right. you're, you're used to just adapting, adapting. All right, this don't work. This ain't working. I gotta do this. I gotta go here. That's right. So that that makes sense. So how does how does that work in terms of like employment though? Same same situation. Yeah. It was the same yeah. situation. Well, in between the rep- depressive bouts of not wanting to get up, yeah, and not wanting to do anything, I would just be like, oh. <laughs> I call my job and be like, listen, boss, send my check by the mail. I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had some really decent jobs, you know. Um, I've had access to a lot of space and places where most people with my background, if I don't tell you this was my background, you would never know. Yeah. Um, and I could really wear a different presentation around it. Um, but I choose, I feel like owning it is an opportunity for me to be expressive and hold space for others. Because, and the bigger conversation around this is that we are, as a collective of people, are creating this society for others. Mm-hmm. And this is not a good thing. Yeah. So in order for someone to have the conversation, since I am able to have the conversation in a fluid way and create space for people to have the conversation, it's my duty to open the space up. Yeah. And my little story and my little life story, I know a lot of people and they go through a lot of different things and we feel like we're the only ones. We're not the only ones. You're not alone. There's tons of other people out here. And Me your too. story... Mm-hmm 
will help somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, so like, thank you for sharing your story because it's just, it's just like, if, if you need confirmation mm. as to feeling like you are alone, like just listen to Paula. I yeah. mean, and and what she what is what she's sharing is actually like what's working for her and how she's resilient and she keeps going and she figures it out at, yeah. in terms yeah. of what's responsible mm-hmm. for her to um, have a healthy mm-hmm. life. Because she's being she's choosing to be responsible mm-hmm. and not only for herself but for the for the planet. Because, you know, if, if you wanna if you wanna show up as a person of authority or a person of, of contribution or whatever that is and for you, yeah. you know, um, there's a is a great responsibility. So it starts with you. It starts with really like checking in with your mental health, which is like number one, mm-hmm. your spiritual your spiritual health, and it, and it goes down the line. And you you talk talk about like the coping mechanism, the mm-hmm. the, the research that you do to become mm-hmm. a better mm-hmm. and powerful woman and right. leader that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to go like a little deeper. Like what? So with the great things that you're sharing with us on how you're moving forward mm-hmm. and how you move forward, mm-hmm. what were those dark moments like? Because you shared mm-hmm. that you were in the um, mm-hmm. foster care system yeah. and that you were living with family and they were um, basically taking advantage, taking advantage mm-hmm. of the funds that you were receiving that was entitled for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a common story I've heard a lot growing oh, yeah. up right. with friends, with friends yeah. that were um, that had deceased parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my uncle, my, my grandparents, they take my money. I don't see the money. Right. And they treat me horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they grow up sometimes to be really great exactly. citizens of the world. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they don't. And their mental health goes left. Um, and, and there's so many other things that happen. But, like... Take us back to those moments, those dark moments mm-hmm. in, in your life where, you know, your diagnosis mm-hmm. um, was taking over. Right. Because right. you mentioned you mm-hmm. mentioned in your book, in your in volume right. one of A Queen Defer, you do mm-hmm. touch on, um, you know, thoughts of suicide. Absolutely. So just, you know, like I was saying, like, just bring us back to, you know, those moments and what when you when you came to that moment uh-huh. you know cuz you come to that moment it's usually cumulative right it's yes. a bu- it's a you know a bunch of things that's just like mm-hmm. i'm tired of right. everything mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know what what was going through your mind mm-hmm. or what you know led you to to come into that decision um i've had so many different spaces in different times and varying degrees of my mental health experience um at at some of the times when it wasn't so good um and, you know, I really begun to separate what was my, um, what I was creating as opposed to what was actually happening. Mm. Um, and sometimes when I'm experiencing what I believe was happening to me, um, it had me just really just confused, um, falling into a place of just, I'm used to being by myself, but my biggest question for my mind when I was in any space of severe depression or or whatever it was that was happening with me at the time was really around why is this happening to me? Yeah. What why is me? wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why am I broken? What happened to me? And you know, what what had me be in the system, the circumstances started at five years old. You know, incest, child rape, um, molestation, the statistics are three out of five women before 18. Mm. Um, so mm. those are some terrible statistics. 
So when I would get into the space when life is crappy is all get out because, you know, work couldn't find a job or whatever was, was happening, um, moving from one space to another, people would be, you know, letting you down, severe disappointment. Um, I would always come back to this. This is insane. Why is this happening to me? Maybe I'm just bad. Maybe I'm just cursed. Maybe I'm just broken. And maybe I shouldn't be here. My grandmother told me that the doctor came from, the goddess counselor came from my mother's school she had me at 16 and asked my grandmother sitting on the couch, you know, you probably should just have an abortion because you're in 11th grade and you have one more year of high school. If you have this baby, you're going to have to drop out. So I would always take that conversation back to my grandmother telling me this mm -hmm. and feeling like she should have just had an abortion. Because why mm -hmm. would you have a child that you are not emotionally nor spiritually nor experientially Ready for. capable yeah. of supporting and not just supporting keeping safe because what was it what was what was in my space was a lack of safety yeah there was no one to protect me even in a space where there was just too much trust my mother trusted the people she was dating and there was just some bad experiences that came around that yeah so um reaching you know this suicidal this place of you know what i'm just gonna take all these pills or i'm just gonna you know I, you know, one of my instances was such, I, I took a knife and I tried to stab myself in the stomach. And I actually stabbed myself in the stomach. Mm. Um, I believe I was about 23. I was living in Atlanta, in my house in Atlanta. And, and you know, you would see our lives and it pretty looked like a functional life. It was great. But my thing was a poor self-concept. So I felt like if I cut half of my stomach off with this butcher knife, that I would go to the hospital for bleeding. Hopefully the ambulance would get there quick enough to get me before I bled out. This is my thinking. If I cut it off, they'll, I'll go to the doctor and they'll have to give me um, a tummy tuck because I can't afford to pay for one. So if I can get rid of this fat stomach, having this stomach is what's having this man talk to me mean and say nasty things to me about me being fat and all this stuff. Um, and, and weight was always an issue for me. Mm -hmm. My wardrobe was from the 8 to a 22. Um, so that was one of those times when it was just really dark. And I was just in my head having a conversation that didn't make any logical sense to anyone else. But to me, it made perfect sense. If I cut the stomach, they would have to cut off the hanging fat, and then they would give me a tummy tuck because in order to repair the mess that I had made with this butcher knife, I would end up with a tummy tuck, and that would be great news. Mm. It didn't happen. Mm. So um, they cut the hanging skin off, and they gave me 22 stitches, and it, the scarring, once it healed, was actually uglier than it was when I didn't bother it. Um, but, you know, um, I'm, I came back from that space. I was, uh, counseled. I went back to counseling. That was when, the, that was a time when I went to the doctor and when I went to the hospital, they actually put me, um, in the psychiatric ward for two weeks mm -hmm. and they actually told me that I needed to start back with therapy. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I need to be back in therapy. So yeah. then I went back to therapy for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the roller coaster is up and down and what's good about having clarity is being able to feel the, the movement. It's almost like um, if you eat something, it goes down your throat. You can feel a big piece of, I don't know, a piece of sandwich, a mouthful yeah. of food going down your throat. So that's how I look at my mental health at this time, at this day and age from back then. I've had so much practice and so many experiences with having the roller coaster of my mental health up and down that I can feel it moving. Mm. So when I feel movement, I have a whole library to default to right. of what's the what's next move to deal with this right like i never allow myself to get deep to fall enough back into that to fall yeah. into 
And I, I committed to that when I was about 29 years old. So yeah. that had been my commitment back then, that I would not fall. As soon as I feel it moving, yeah. I go into action immediately. Yeah. 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 And that's... 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 <laughs> wow. It, yeah. So I... Okay. So, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the words together. So thank you. That was like such a fucking powerful like share yeah. because um you touched base on a relationship that you were in mm-hmm. right briefly and that this person um would put you down because of your weight yeah. and then you attempted suicide for many different reasons mm-hmm. because psychologically um you were having an experience as mm-hmm. a woman yeah. and and you were not comfortable with your body mm-hmm. and then you have a, a mate that's actually not adding positivity to, to the way you're feeling he's right. actually adding on yeah. to what you're feeling mm-hmm. and then you attempt it okay well if i do this they'll they'll come in time and then if maybe i do not. and yeah. then they might not and then if and they was okay with and the they, maybe not yeah and you were okay and you were okay you you were okay to check out and then there was yeah. the, the other part and 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 please don't get offended the other twisted part mm-hmm. where you was like you know what I could get a tummy tuck out of the situation, yeah. so I could please this man. So like people yep. gotta people gotta get it that like right. mental health it has so many angles yes. because when you feel like you're doing fine or mm-hmm. you feel like you you're with the right type of mm-hmm. people, you come to realization that some people are just not okay with you and yeah. you're not okay for them. And yeah. instead of them elevating you and supporting you because they know you're you, you're experiencing some type of um, disconnect in some sort of way, mm-hmm. sometimes they add on to that. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, we all are responsible for the outcomes of our lives. Mm-hmm. But it's also very vital to um, have supportive people around you because at the end of the day, whatever you believe in, whether it's God, a higher power, the universe... Um, this higher power puts in place vessels in your life as people, places, and things to support you and uplift you. So um, this is very important, especially to, for our young women and men that are experiencing um, any type of mental health diagnosis and are experiencing self-worth conversations or are not even sure and can identify who they are. Yeah. And then they get into these relationships with people that are just bringing them down, and then what they do is they attempt suicide right. or they commit suicide because they feel like they're not good enough. But I also want to add that at that time, right, she was more focused on appearance, mm-hmm. right, and how that would affect the relationship, right? She wasn't in the mental space where she had the tools because now mm-hmm. she's saying as yeah. an adult, yeah, she has the tools yeah. where she'd be like, "All right, I'm I'm slipping. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, let me do what oh, I got to yeah. do to get back, That's right?" right? Yeah. But at that time, she didn't have yeah. those tools. You get what yeah. I'm saying? So that is what's most important that you know, Paulie, that you committed to, you know, tapping into your resources, mm-hmm. right, and saying, okay. I know this is when I'm slipping. This is what I can do. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I can do. Yeah. You know, you, you you came out of, yeah. you know, feeling like, all right, this is the solution. This is the end. Mm-hmm. If this don't work out, then whatever, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready to check out, yeah. you know. And I think that that is most important. And we talk mm-hmm. about that all the time, having those tools and, you know, your coping mechanisms and knowing, you know, identifying when you're going back into that space mm-hmm. and being able to pull yourself out because, you can't move forward if you don't heal yourself. Mm-hmm. That's that's most important. You can't get into another relationship 
you know, because you're only mm. you're only going to continue to receive mm-hmm. what you're what you're reflecting, what yeah. you're putting out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I I commend you, yeah, honestly, because women continue, not even just women, and men too. you know, men too, but you know, we continue to get into relationships because we think that we can get something out of it mm-hmm. and com- become complete, mm-hmm. so to speak. But it's like if you don't take care of yourself, you don't you don't handle your shit. It's gonna it's gonna be the same relationship yeah. with a different face. Pers- yeah, a different person. That's, that's all and, it's gonna and, be. And if it's not like a life partner, it mm-hmm. will be in relationships with coworkers, in relationships right. with um, business relationships. It could be in so children. many things. Yeah, children, chil- yeah, mothers children. are around you and making their kids crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in mental health. We don't like to use the word crazy. Right. They're crazy in the words of yay. It's unrest. The relationship is not healthy. Right. Mothers, fathers, they're diminishing their children. They're mistreating their kids. Mm-hmm. They're creating a bad, poor self-concept in them because of their own. And I see it so often. The parents don't have the tools. The parents are not understanding that they're having, they need a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. They need a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. They need a toolkit to support their growth mm-hmm. and improvement. And guess what? They're home with four or five kids and they're not supporting their children. Right. Mm-hmm. And that further creates a cycle of a diminished, you know, self-concept. And it's it's so, you know, and, and this is the world that we're living in where as a community of people, it's all of our duties to make sure that we are standing committed to our journey. The society that we kept, some, some reality that came to me when I was in transition from, I stuck my fork in it like, this will never be me. I went into a depression I was going for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I lived with my son. I took him to T-ball. And, but I don't know what happened during that time. I was working. I would drive to work, but mentally, it's a black hole in my life. For that time. I don't remember what was happening in my life at that time. Um, I was on system, rolling system. So I said that would never happen again because first of all, that's my son's life, and he deserves to have a parent that's there and standing for him. Mm-hmm. That's number one. So that was part of my commitment. Um, and if I went, I said, oh, my God, who's going to take care of my kid? Because he can't live with his father. He can't live with them. Those folks, they need some serious help over there. Mm-hmm. He can't stay with my family because I don't even trust them myself. Yeah. So who's going to stand for my son? So I have to stand for him. Yeah. So that was part of my reality. And then I also decided that I would never, ever go back into that hole again. So this is when I went back into my mind. I was like, let me look at my toolkit and see what's in here. Went through all of the things that I know that I have done, that I can do. And I come to the realization that I'm just a victim of circumstances. This is the society that's been created. I didn't create it. I'm a residual of my mother's mistakes. She's a residual of her mother's mistake. Mm -hmm. She's a residual of her mother's mistake. And guess what? Nobody is putting the brakes in on here. So somebody got to put the brakes in. Someone has to break that curse. (laughs) Break the curse. And I'm going to be the stand. I'm going to be the stand that's going to put a a period right here with this woman. Yeah, and I'm not gonna pass this on to my kid, and I'm also gonna have these conversations that helps him be a stronger person. Yeah, I made mistakes. My mother made mistakes. I don't hold her. The life that I had, if I wasn't here, I couldn't still be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm still here, so therefore there was a purpose. Right. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So, <laughs> so I'm still here. So I'm, that's that's my my I'm sticking my fork in it. Yeah. I'm, that's yeah. it. That's what yeah. I'm committed to. Wow. And thank you for sharing because you, you you share from the point of a woman becoming a, a young young woman becoming a woman woman. Mm-hmm. And then you share um as your responsibility, responsibility as, as a mother, a mother yeah. and how um if you chose to be in that dark hole, the outcome that could possibly 
be now if you weren't responsible mm -hmm. and if you decide not to choose to 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 choose yourself first because you have to choose yourself first Absolutely. before you can actually care for another human being mm -hmm. so i'm 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 very happy that you chose yourself um because i'm i'm sure that your son respects you and honor mm -hmm. you and sees you like he sees you and he will like become like a, a amazing man because yeah. of it yeah. um and i think that a lot of a mm -hmm. lot of parents especially as you know mothers mm -hmm. they don't understand that having a balanced you know mental state is a part of being a parent yes that's not it's not separate you know what i'm saying it's not oh just take care of me later because i gotta be a mom like no this is a part of your responsibility yes that that is number one mm -hmm. because she said for two years she was on autopilot mm -hmm. she was on autopilot she can't even remember yeah. what was going on and Ima imagine had she continued that, yeah. especially what's going on today in society with black men. She mm -hmm. is the, a mother of a black man. If she was still checked out and just on, yeah, come on. And you so, know what I'm saying? And so we know Paula personally, and yeah. the things that she's up to in the world is so impactful yeah. that like, she gets to be number one for herself because what she pours out to the world is so amazing. So if she was not being responsible, then we won't we wouldn't be having this conversation with yeah. her. So thank you. So thank real. you so much for like putting thank self care you. and self love as a priority. And um, you know, you you mentioned something keys about um, a, a parent like being like putting themselves first, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I just wanted to like quickly touch base. Like I was thinking when we did um episode three and we share about our relapse and things like that. I, I after that I ref, I self reflected and um, I had a couple of people ask me, Hey Alex, when are you when are you having kids? When mm. are you getting married? You know you're at that age, like you're it's, it's about that time. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I've always get that, and at this point it doesn't even bother me when people ask me that question. I said, but did you ever wonder why maybe I don't have children? Mm. You know, because it's not like I can't get a man. Mm. You know what I'm Thank saying? You, like, like mm -hmm. you know, okay. I could get coming okay. through with your sex <laughs> <laughs> Like I could, I could be who, whoever yes. I want to be. Right. I'm actually, I've actually chosen mm -hmm. to um, be responsible to be responsible with yes, me. Um, there was a lot of healing to, to be done, and it's still, and it's still going. Um, and so to be with someone that actually, to be with someone that I cannot say, listen, I go through this shit. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's going to be some periods that I might be a little different and I need you to support me through this and I need you to honor me and respect me and just mm -hmm. be with me. You're going to ride or not, mm -hmm. you know, and then to bring a child into the world, that would be so irresponsible of me, there you, go. you yeah. know, to bring mm -hmm. a child into the world and I'm here like not wanting to get out of my bed, you know, um, so you know, just hearing what Paula share and just um, doing a self-reflection after episode three and, and where I'm at right now at this moment, um, you know, it does take um, a hell of a, a woman. It does take um, a lot for you to actually come into that realization yeah. and to put in the work because it's, it's, it's work. People, it's fucking work, and it's not. It's, it's work, not. Man. It's not. Oh, I'm gonna it's wake. Work. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna wake up. I'm gonna pray, and I'm going to the gym. It's deeper than oh, that. Yeah, like man. it's yeah. it's it's like there's moments where you you doing it, you're going for, it, and you you everything's going good, and then there's a moment where something just comes over your spirit, yes. and it's like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. I, ha I have to choose <laughs> whether I want to like stay on the floor or get up, yeah. and you know, for some people, well, don't get up. Well, it's a little different for folks like us because yeah. 
we're so we're powerful beings and we hold so much yeah. and then we have this like diagnosis that they told us that we right. have so we have to work with around that right so um it's important to to put ourselves first it's important to be surrounded by positive and uplifting people and so it's amazing to know that now where you're at now, mm-hmm. you have an amazing husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you guys just celebrated your, your yeah. one year anniversary. Yes. So like, congrats. So, so congrats. And it's, so, it's, so it's been beautiful to be around both of you guys. You guys are like an amazing married couple that are in Power service. couple. Yeah, right. like you guys are the definition of power couple. You guys yeah. are creative. Like creators mm-hmm. of like magic, and then individually and collectively, yeah. um, and you guys are very supportive with each other. So, um, you know, how does this like how does your relationship works? Like, how does your mental health state affects your marriage? And um, like, how how do you how do you how do you and your husband have a balanced and harmonious life? We have a lot of we communicate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't. I don't have the hiccups that I used to have mm-hmm. in terms of um, the downslope. Like literally, you know, if you put something sour on your tongue, as soon as it touches your tongue, you know it's there. Mm-hmm. That's how it works for me. Um, like I said, I stuck my fork in it when I was 29. I tell the world that I'm celebrating my 10th anniversary of my 30th birthday, but I'll actually be 41 this year. <laughs> And the psychology of my 30th birthday, I'm done. <laughs> because the psychology of numbers, right. um, and I took a lot of things back. I employed a lot of different methodologies and tactics, which I use in my, that I'm collaborating and putting together um, a whole collaborative piece of work to support others with the keys to sort of spiritual elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are different things that I put into my life that I installed in there that are like pit stops and warning signs. So that, um, and my commitment initially was that I'm not going to get into a relationship and give nobody this junk. Because the, the, the conversation that everybody was having was, well, if anybody loves me, they just have to accept me for who I am. That's not totally true, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to accept you being, like, destructive. Right. <laughs> like, like, oh, you want to start screaming and howling and throwing things around the house because you can't function and you don't have to communicate because you have a fit right now. I don't have to deal with that. And it's not fair to have to have someone dealing with yourself. If you're having your own issues, my, my consciousness was such that I'm going to take responsibility for it. And not for nothing, be able to translate it to someone. So I translated these situations, circumstances to come when we first met. We were both on a journey of transformation to begin with. So we mm-hmm. were both doing some additional work on ourselves as we do work on ourselves every day. Um, but we came into this work and... Um, is the foundation of how we communicate in such a clear and fluid manner. Uh, but however, prior to that, I spent at 29 years old, I said, I'm, not, I'm going into a relationship clean. I'm cleaning out my garbage, my baggage. I'm getting rid of it all. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of it. FYI, life doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Because three years later, I ended up in a custody battle for my son, which was very traumatic and very devastating. Spiritually, it could have been, um, I felt like that was the first test. Mm. I felt like, whoa, I said, I wanted to do this thing. I wanted to be committed to being authentic and being clear and being healthy and living a, um, a balanced life. And this big thing came and, like, mm-hmm. knocked me. I had to leave my life, my house in Tennessee. I had to leave my job that was cute. Um, I had three years of what they would call, you know, clean. I wasn't in drugs. I wasn't on drugs. But, you know, if you're in recovery, I was in recovery. Yeah. And I was having a good escalated. I was, I was mm-hmm. in a three years of, of positive escalation, mm-hmm. consistent positive escalation. And then 
I send my son up here to visit his father for the summer, and he goes to court, takes me to court, and I couldn't take my son back. Mm. So I had to leave New York, come back to New York, and in three months I was living in rooming houses for a person living in a three-bedroom house on two and a half acres of land as a supervisor in the banking industry um, and making a nice little salary. I had a very convenient lifestyle, mm. which was comfortable. So the yeah. challenge was when I tell people that you travel through the fury, fury furnace, fiery furnace, the fury furnace, um, and you come on the other side, the tests don't stop. So if your mental health is hinged on your circumstances, you're going to always be on a roller coaster. That's my advice. Um, and that's how the relationship that we have now is so strong because nothing that happens in my life impacts how I'm feeling spiritually or my ability to communicate. Mm. Um, as a partner, we are committed to being in our relationship. So... There are a few things that we eliminate. We're not having negative self-talk. We're not having those badgering conversations. We're not having those accusatory conversations. Mm -hmm. We don't have um, you sleeping no with blame somebody. Calling, no blame you trying, to, you trying mm -hmm. to freak off with somebody. You sneaking off. Like those trust issues that are so prevalent in individuals with my background, got rid of them. Work through them. Um, and I also take things at face value. And I expect for you to be committed to your word. That's my expectation. I laid those out in the very beginning. Beautiful. I believe that you should be committed to your word and stand integrity with your word, whether they've had the work that I have had or not, because I had that consciousness before I got the work that I now have. Um, if you say something, do what you say you're going to do. And if you made a mistake, you need to own it. Own the mistake, because that's, that's where the power is so that we could create a different possibility around it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really the foundation. I mean, it, it sounds easy. But I realize it's a big challenge for people mm -hmm. because, one, there's so many of us who have mental health issues and have not been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So we're running around here and we're thinking that we're cool and we're good and, and just getting hitched up with people and causing more destruction in other people's lives yeah. and ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, we are in a situation where we're not actually willing to give of ourselves 100%. We feel entitled. Someone should be catering to us. That's unfortunate. Okay? Yeah. Because you're creating the life that you want to live. I believe that you are the architect of your life. And if you employ <coughs> being an architect and not just going along, because the society that we live in has us programmed to do certain things at certain stages of our lives, move into other stages of our lives, and that whole clock is ticking thing, the clock is not ticking. It's mm -hmm. not, exactly. The mm -hmm. clock is not ticking. You have all the time that you need. Oh, in yes. Because we'll probably start having babies next year. Mm. <laughs> okay, so just for the record, the clock is not ticking. Okay, mm -hmm. you take care of yourself, you stand for health, and you stand, you know, you know those biological, scientific things, that's one thing. But all of those people saying these things mm -hmm. in our societal, societal norms, those are the things that program how we think and that cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. Oh, the clock is ticking, I'm not married, no one wants me, I'm not hooked up, what's going to happen with me? Da -da -da -da. Mm -hmm. I got married a year ago. Right. I'm celebrating the 10th anniversary of my 30th birthday. Mm -hmm. I'll be 41 this year. So, and I didn't think that love was on track for me. I actually had given up on it. I had, I had committed to being a servant of humanity, but I didn't think that love was available to me mm. um, until, you know, three years ago before I met Colin in this work. I didn't go in there for that. I went in there to give me some more tools for my toolkit so that I can be a better servant, mm -hmm. which was my authentic heart, spirit, mind, commitment. Yes. So that's why when all these things shall be added unto you, all of that stuff is extra. Mm -hmm. I had a full life before I met Colin. A mm -hmm. full, happy, joy. People that know me have known me. I'm the same happy person. 
a person, this man did not complete me. Right. He did not make me a whole person. I was already whole before he got there. Beautiful. Right. Amen. Yep. Yep. And I and I love that because people get the whole like I am whole once I find my other me. half. I mm-hmm. am complete now. Now that I find my other mm-hmm. half, and you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's that's wrong to say. It's no right or wrong, but I don't agree with that. I, I, mm-hmm. I agree with, uh, you know, once you find the person that you're aligned with, mm-hmm. then you guys get to create like a badass magical Dude, life right, together. Right. You know, you bring in what you got to offer. Yeah, they bring the in what you got to offer, and then you just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, then you put new puzzles together. And then you complete those puzzles yeah. and get to the mountaintop together. Because the goal is that individually, you're trying to get to the mountaintop anyways. Right. So now I have this like person to go right along. With right. me, yeah. And if you yeah. start the relationship off thinking that you're incomplete, you're going, all you're going to do is take. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All you're going to do is be a taker. That's what can right. you do for me? Mm-hmm. For me, for me, for me. Yes. Yeah. If you feel like you're not complete to even offer to the other person, you're you're not ready for a relationship. Yeah. At all. And like all. and like Paula mentioned um about a lot of people are walking around um with mental health disorders or things that haven't yet been diagnosed, you know, um we get to do a check in with ourselves and folks you get to get a do a check in with yourself mm-hmm. and like go to your PCP, like we've mentioned before, get your annual checkup and ask them, like, hey, you know, I want to get my mental health checked out. Yeah. You know, what does that look like? That just looks like you going to your PCP and telling them, look, I want to go see somebody for just one the session. Yeah. You know, primary your primary care, care doctor, PCP primary PCP. care doctor. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm going to go to your PCP. You know, I, I worked in the medical Sound field like for drug. many years in the past, so I still have, like, the, the codes and the, um, and the acronyms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um... You know, just go see someone. It doesn't mean anything. You're just going to get checked out because there's things that we experience that we don't talk. And, um, yeah, it's it's real out here. And, and I know that a lot of us want to, like, meet that life partner or, or maybe currently with someone that could actually use our support in whatever they might be, you know, experiencing in regards to their mental health. So let's be responsible, folks, on what that looks like. Because um, what happens is we start creating new life, and that affects the new life. Right, right. Um, we don't want to keep, continue yeah. that generational and as, curse. And we, as we yeah. heard um, Paula speak about her son and the experience and where she's at now, you know, we we want to be responsible around new life. Yeah, I am. That's a, that's admirable, honestly, because mm-hmm. you don't you don't hear too many mothers that take that stand. Like they say, no, I got to get right with me before anything because i have a i have a whole life that i'm responsible for Mm -hmm. so that that's that is that is admirable definitely so i'm gonna ask you two more questions um because it is suicide awareness month what um let our listeners know what are some signs Mm -hmm. that um we all as a as a as a community and 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 in the world should Mm -hmm. look out for for people that might have those suicide thoughts, attempts, those behaviors, what are the things that we look out for? With yeah, the, even with yeah. our own selves as well. Well, yeah, we definitely want to the check in, the self check in. Um, for me, is a little bit easier for than the exterior check in because I was a person that if people were trying to support me, they would have never known that I was having. Uh, they would have never been able to readily identify that I was in crisis. Mm. Hmm. Um, because I had been so good at masking. 
She should have been on that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no one would have been able to say, oh, well, Paula is in crisis. Let's help her. Mm. Um, but I, I, I am able and very sensitive to other people because of the way that I, I am spiritually in the world. Mm-hmm. That I am still, whether I don't care how, how easy you mask it, mm-hmm. I can see you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Empath. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that empath life. That's empath. Yeah. And that's another reason why I had to really get my work in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My personal work in order. I, I definitely relate. Because yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about absor- absorbing energies and like living in New York and it's mm-hmm. just so many different energies. Mm-hmm. So dealing with mental health and then being in a city yes. like this. Mm-hmm. Overstimulating, oh. overtaxing, and you will be like at edge unless you have your toolkit on, on standby all the time. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I look out for people who, you know, have conversations around, oh, they don't feel their worth. You know, I have a young lady in my office that I was just recently talking to, as a matter of fact, and I had a very similar conversation with her, and she's just talking about, you know, it's just better if I just wasn't here. She's in foster care, Mm. you know, um, she's in kinship foster care, very similar to where I was, she was 19, and, you know, she's having a real meltdown in the office, but she started, she came in the office with her hands up at her head, with her head down, Clothes and just like kind of huffing and puffing. See, this is obvious. You know that there's a crisis here. Yeah. Um, and then as I'm talking to her and talking to her, and I said, "Come be with me." Now one hand comes down, but she's still covering her face. So she's kind of coming out, coming out. And then about 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, both hands are down, but her head is still down. So then I gotta go, and I said, "You know, you're gonna have to hold your head up because you know you're my sister, and you know you're not alone here. So I need to see you so that I can be with you." So then she kind of held her head up a little bit, kind of cocked to the side. And then I started telling her my story about how I got into foster care. Mm-hmm. And it's her exact same story. Mm-hmm. So now, now she sees me. Now yeah. she can feel me. But that was quintessentially textbook, that experience. Yeah. Body language was present. Her conversation was present. Her unwillingness to budge was present. Um, the conversation around she, she doesn't need to be here and, like, nobody cares. And, like, this is, you know. Just being combative unnecessarily in a heightened sense of emotion that wasn't even... The situation that we were in wasn't calling for it. Mm. She was hyper, like, over the top. Um, So when you see these kinds of behaviors, that's like... Or reckless, you know, drinking heavily, Mm self-medicating. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Sex is a point of medicating, Mm -hmm. self-medicating. It's like a salve. It is. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, so when we see these young girls and they're out here having several partners, it's not for us to judge them. Exactly. It's not for us to diminish them. It's for us to try to give them, infuse them with love and support to allow them to experience themselves as powerful without someone, you know, taking advantage of their body because that's all that they feel that they have to offer. Right. And that's where they have their value. So if we as people who can see, it is for us to, in addition to being a mental health first aid practitioner... Is, is for us to be spiritually connected to our people and also be able to offer them some support where they may be low, you know. Um, so there's there's a lot of different um, methodologies that comes out of the clinical space, but I don't feel that the clinical space is enough to fully address the mental health issues mm-hmm. because I feel like spirituality is also necessary. Yeah. It plays a big part and how you make, how you sustain yourself in terms of that, those pieces of you that you can't hold, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and, and like, just to add on to what Paula said, it's definitely like looking at people, like seeing them, mm-hmm. you know, eye contact, being with them where they're at, meeting right. them where they're at, asking someone, how are you feeling, how are you doing, and I know we spoke about something like this before, um, 
some people are not, they feel like they're not being seen. Um, and that is our opportunity as leaders to like really step in mm -hmm. and, and like be that person to be like, you know what, what's going on? Because mm -hmm. you can actually save a life. Mm -hmm. And it is our responsibility. And it, it might is. seem like it's a lot of pressure, but it is our responsibility because put yourself in those shoes mm -hmm. and you can say, no, I'm strong and I will never do that. Listen, life mm -hmm. has a way. No, funny way. <laughs> like, I think Mike Tyson has this quote. He says, um, everyone has an idea until they get punched in the face or something like that. Mm -hmm. you, you guys know. Just look it yeah. up. Mike Tyson quotes. <laughs> and that is real as fuck because, yeah. you know, once you get punched in the face, what happens? Right. You might fall down. You might not. You might. You might hit back. You, you might, might hit back. <laughs> so it's like at that moment, what do you do? Yeah. What do you say? How do you react? So definitely, thank you, Paula. Yeah, thank for, you for just for just for just sharing just sharing your that you dropped. Thank you for your energy. I was enrolled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the, like, the feeling it. The I'm energy. just like, Paula looks so yeah. like delicious right now. She yeah. has on and her her royal she has, purple. She has her royalty color purple. Mm -hmm. She has her amethyst crystals popping. Yes. Um, yes. And so Paula, because yes. you know we you, you cannot leave, mm -hmm. right. right? You cannot just walk away from this beautiful interview and not share right. a poem. You get to share a poem. You know, we do um, incorporate poetry in our show. And hit us up. I actually brought a volume two copy yes. for you guys. Which Thanks is a treat because two. I have volume one and I don't have volume two. Yes, I have. So this will be a treat. Yeah, I have both. But, uh, yeah, I do. I just need my autograph. You just had to, like, you know. Actually, right. I, I got to. Well, I, 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 I didn't get a chance to get to it. you don't have your bookmark. I really don't, so I'll yes. take it. Thank you. And, <laughs> thank you. And I have my little palm cards as Thank well. you so much, Paula. Yes. And I'll... You see, I got this little receipt <laughs> as a bookmark, so now I got the official Everybody, official queen I'm going to put you on the spot. She has a CVS receipt as a bookmark. I didn't want to fold the pages. I didn't want to ruin the book. Okay. Anywho. That, that, you got to preserve. Very, that's a very good copy. She has kept it very well. Right. Because I actually have two copies in my bag that are just <laughs> all the way up. But see, when it's yours, you like whatever. But, but you know, I want to value. To when I go out and I yeah. read, when I'm invited out to places I read, and I, I just have those two little ready copies. Awesome. <laughs> so please take us there. Okay, so this is called She in Her Essence. She in Her Essence is pretty dynamic. A plethora of knowledge and wisdom. She when in her essence is very productive, very expeditious, very large. She when in her essence. Stand in the glow she brings to the world gifts untold. She when in her essence is woman, beautifully cut with all her lady lumps. She when in her essence defines herself her title, her position, her beauty, because no man can attempt to define her. Mm. She, when in her essence, is all that. She is a mighty woman when she is in her essence. Woo! <laughs> yeah! She is Come in her go. essence. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank That's so you. beautiful. Um, Paula, let our listeners know all of your social media handles. Um, also, let them know what you are up to. Like, what have you, okay. what have you done? Let them know about your books. Tell them where you're going to be at. Like, okay. let them know everything. Mm -hmm. Check her out, y'all. Thank, thank you, thank you. Keys, Alex, thank you ladies for letting me come and share and be of support always. Absolutely. We're happy to have you, and you're welcome back anytime. Okay. Yes. 
Um, so I actually did a spiritual journey and I changed my name to Nefera to Maati Ra. Yes, which is I saw a sacred that. lotus blossom of love, joy, balance, and harmony. And unto Ra, I opened my heart. So that is my Instagram handle. You don't have to spell that yet. F E R A underscore T U M A A T I underscore R A. That's my Instagram handle. And you can find me on Facebook at Paula Lawton, which is my author page, and Paula So or Paula Cash as my personal page, Cash, C A S H. And I also have a um, radio show. My sound bites now go live on Paula Cash as well as they're on the radio station, WVMR, uh, WVM Radio, beg your pardon, um, dot net, uh, which is hosted by Live Life Radio, L Y V E L Y F E. Radio on Thursday. My next show will be September 21st Mm -hmm. at 9 p.m. So look forward to that. Um, And you know, I'm everywhere. See, we told you she I'm was everywhere. great. Look at all this she up to. <laughs> like, we couldn't. I couldn't even fit that all in. I was just like, yeah, and she I think, got a and lot I think there's on. more, but yeah. just, just follow yeah. her social media, right? <laughs> and you'll get the rest of it. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Paula. We are so grateful oh, to you. have Thank you. Yeah, and yeah, so we're excited. Um, so yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Um, we will love your feedback if you guys can email us at me to number two radio zone at gmail.com for feedback if you want to be featured on the show if you want to share a poem um, also check out our um, social media handles at me number two radio zone at um, on That's IG on Facebook and IG and yep. Facebook and IG yeah. and um, anything you want to add on key before we no. roll out no that this yeah. was a, a beautiful interview thank you again paula for for coming out for real yes awesome a joy to be in your presence again so thank you for vibing out with us today yay and zone out i feel like i'm out of my mind it feels like my life ain't mine i don't want to be alive i don't want to be alive i just want to die today i just want to die I don't wanna be alive. I don't wanna be alive. I just wanna die. Let me tell you why. All this other shit I'm talking about, they think they know it. I've been praying for somebody to save me. No one's heroic, and my life don't even matter. I know it, I know it, I know I'm hurting deep down, but can't show it. I never had a place to call my own. Never had a home. Ain't nobody calling my phone. Where you been? Where you at? What's on your mind? They say every life precious, but nobody cares about mine.